We are, uh, have made it to uh, almost the end of our Global Gospel series. Uh, we've got a couple of weeks left, but we're going to be thinking uh, about what we started thinking about last week. I changed my sermon slightly due to the number of non-Christians here. I hope you don't mind. But we're going to uh, pick up uh, the second part of that sermon uh, series, that the Gospel needs missionaries, part two. We've come to a point in our global gospel where it's time for us to start looking at the world that we are living in. And just uh, so you know where we're heading, I've found a number of H's that we're going to base it around. We're going to look at our hurt world. We've tried not to tug your heartstrings in this sermon series, but it is time for us to take a realistic look at our world. And then we're going to listen to some hard words, some of which we've already heard from Scripture. And then we're going to look at some huge challenges and then turn to the help of the Holy Spirit, because we need it. The world we live in uh, is a hurt place. This was a slide I showed last week, which highlighted uh, the difference between God's kingdom, that he intended the world to be, and the world we are living in. Instead of peace, we have war. Instead of joy, we have tears. Instead of justice, we have injustice. Instead of families, we have orphans. But that's only the beginning, really. A few minutes looking at the news, a few minutes engaging with a few things on the web this week, and I, I was in tears. My heart was breaking, and I'm sorry to have to bring this. It's not a happy sermon in some ways. But it's one that we need to hear. In September the, uh, this year, the World Food Programme estimated that there were 925 million, that's a lot of people, in this world who do not have enough to eat. Apparently that's more than the population of the EU, America and Canada. All those people without enough to eat each day. UNICEF uh, in 2007 estimated that there was 10.9 million children dying each, each week, do you think? each year, from malnutrition and hunger-related diseases. This one got me. Uh, In 2002, the UN wrote that if 1% of all of the money that was spent on uh, arms, on guns, on war, uh, was used, every child in the world could go to school. 1% of what we spent on arms, every child could go to school. uh, 8.884 million people are without clean drinking water in 2009. And then if you were here a few weeks ago for our evening service, we looked at uh, the issue of prostitution in Thailand especially. And uh, the BMS highlighted that there were 20,000 prostitutes, both male and female, working on the streets of Bangkok alone. And they were the ones they knew about. Statistics are statistics, ever-changing. You can find all kinds of variations of the ones that I've brought to you. These were the most reliable sources I could find and the most up-to-date ones. But even if they're a bit out, each of those figures represent a face. I put a, a beautiful child eating there. There were many other images I could have used. But each of the numbers that we have is a face is an individual, somebody that God created, someone that God loves. Each of those numbers we have are somebody that God has plans for. Every individual 
is important. Every child deserves a life. Every person deserves freedom. Every soul belongs to our Father. Every statistic has a face. And over the course of this sermon series, we've contrasted some of this with what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. It's so different. It's not this kind of world. It's not this kind of place. God's kingdom is so different. It's a world where there is no more tears, no more sadness, no more pain. That is God's plan. But the world we're living in is so different. What does God think of this? Well, there are so many scriptures in the Bible I could have brought to you today. But here are, uh, is just one that uh, I wanted to highlight. Psalm 146. You see, God upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free and sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down and loves the righteous. He watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. What does God see in our hurt world? He sees those things, oppression, hunger, pain, sadness, uh, blindness, all those things mentioned. But he gets stuck in and he gets involved. You see, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. He sets the prisoners free. He fathers the fatherless and the widow. God gets stuck in in our hurt world. Many of the books I've read over the past few uh, weeks uh, claim that God uh, uh, has so much about the poor and injustice in Scripture that some could say he's biased almost to those in this place. How untrue is that? God sees the world that he created defiled in a bad place, in a hurt place, and his heart breaks. So no wonder there are many scriptures that highlight for us how much God wants us to act and how much he acts in this place. God has much to comment on. He says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You see, God is at work in our world, and yet he calls me and you to do just this. He says, look what I am doing and get involved. Look what I'm doing and see the world through my eyes. Look at our world that I created to be so different and get stuck in. It's a hurt world, and it needs people to change it. God chooses to use you and me. Before we move into that, let's just have a look at some hard words, some of which uh, were read to us so well by Barbara. But this one uh, is from Amos. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. You trample on the poor and you force him to give you grain. Therefore, though you have built stone um, mansions, you do not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you do not drink their wine. I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins are. You see, you oppress the righteous and you take bribes. And you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. It goes on to say, Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps anymore. Ouch. Or is that just me? 
Worship isn't about the singing of our songs. But don't just listen to Amos. Listen to some of the words that were read to us from Isaiah. Is this not the kind of fasting, not the kind of worship I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not turn away your own flesh and blood. That's the kind of worship God asks of us. Ouch. Even of those with not great voices like myself can sing, this is a bit harder. God is saying that worship isn't about the feast, about the singing, about the celebration. Worship is about justice, about living lives of integrity, about calling ourselves to be different. One more lot of harsh words. These were ones that uh, some of my Emerge group, my uh, 15, 16-year-olds found and brought to me. It's always good to be challenged by some 15-year-olds. But they uh, found a quote by John Stott, which is really powerful. I was hungry and you formed a humanities group to discuss my hunger. I was imprisoned and you crept off quietly to pray in your chapel for my release. I was naked and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless and you preached to me about God being the spiritual shelter of God. I was lonely and you left me alone to pray for me. You seem so holy but I'm still hungry and cold and alone. Ouch. Let's just stop for a moment. Hard words, O Lord. Your Bible challenges us and has challenged many like John Stott to write on it. We live in a hard world, not as you intended it to be at all. And so many times, it's because of our greed, our ways. Our heart breaks, Lord, when we read these things and we recognise our own parts. Help us now, Lord, to lift our gaze again to you. To see these words as challenges. To see these things as opportunities. Open our eyes to see our part to play. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to depress us, but that is the reality of our world. And that is what God's word says about these things. But actually, as I pray, this isn't the end. God calls me and you to have a part to play in the world, to partner with him in all that he is doing. And God's word doesn't end with these things. It goes on to challenge us. You see, there's hard words here, but there is good encouragement at the end of each passage. The Amos passage says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Justice can be done, the Bible says. Righteousness will transport through this land like a stream. And then the end of uh, the Isaiah passage that we read says, if you do away, if you do away, 
with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, small buts, then your light will rise in the darkness. We all have a part to play. And if we take this seriously, the world will be a different place for the light of Christ will shine in even the darkest parts of our world. God's word here promises that it will not always be like this. Right at the end of Revelation, we read incredible words of a new heaven and a new earth, a restored kingdom, a place where there is no tears, no more sadness. But until that day, God says, get on board with me. You have a part to play. All of us, every single one of us. And so we come to the section on huge challenges because there are many challenges here. And the first one is that involvement in our world is not optional. God calls all of us to do this. Some verses that we know so well because of the Jubilee campaign and the Micah challenge. And what does the Lord require of you? He requires all of us to act justly, all of us to love mercy, all of us to walk humbly with our God. We've got no option as people of God to say this does not affect us. This is our calling as people of God to go and act justly in all that we do. We all have a part to play. More a bit later. But the second challenge is that some of us are actually called to go. Some of us are actually called to go. We've all got a part to play in our everyday lives, but some of us uh, are called and are able to go and be used by him in areas around our world to open our eyes to see this world that God is doing uh, amazing things in. And I've asked Jane Houston to come and just share with us for a few moments something that she has been doing recently, something that she uh, has been dreaming about for many years, and something that I think will challenge you way more than what I'm going to say. So uh, this is Jane. For those of you who don't know her, I'm going to give a mic on. I'm just going to swap this over very quickly. had a few problems with her. Here we go. Let's get this running. Right, Jane, where have you been recently? Uh, I've just come back from Brazil. I go to the Amazon. Um, I go with a team of nurses and doctors. I actually met them in 2004 when I was in Brazil. And um, they invited me to go with them. And we go down the river in canoes and in a big boat to visit um, all the villages and outlying places in the jungle. Okay, and you sleep on a hammock, I believe, is that right? Indeed, yes. And that's one of your favourite bits. (laughs) Brilliant. And so you've been doing that for a number of years. You're a trained Mm -hmm. nurse, so you Mm -hmm. travel around these villages. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of the ministry that you're now involved with came from you asking one question. And that question was, what happens to those children who have disabilities uh, who live in these villages? And what was the answer and what happened out of that? Well, the lady that I had met, Gloria, I said to her, we were travelling on the boat, and I said, what happens to children with special needs in the jungle? And she looked at me and she said, hmm, Jane, you know, I don't think we have any. So I said, well, I think there must be some, Gloria, there has to be. She said, I'll tell you what, we'll ask in the next village that we come to. So we got to the village, and she asked the chief there if they had any special needs children. And he said, mm, yes, we do have one. 
And um, so I was taken to meet this little boy called John Mark. And the village and his parents all really believed that he had been sent as a curse on the village. So I went and I saw Jean-Marc and he was in this hut and right outside the village and it was bare ground and he just had a cup of water and he was left there alone. And um, I just fell in love with him. He was gorgeous. He was 18 months old, Down syndrome. And uh, gradually we talked and we played with him and gradually Gloria carried on visiting him and Chris and I, we sent money for him to be fed and for them to build a house. So he has now got a house in the centre of the village. It's called John Mark's House. And he's been accepted by the village, and he's now thought of as a blessing. Hmm. And from that, um, they started going to visit other children and other villagers. They found out about them. We've got about 40 children now hmm. that we support hmm. along the village, along the Amazon. Along the Amazon. Yeah. And I've saved this other question until last because of John Mark being on the screen, but uh, this is a dream, something that has been part of you for many years. Tell us that story, because that's really encouraging for us all to hear. Well, I became a Christian when I was six, and I decided then that I was going to be a missionary. So I studied and became a nurse in order that I could fulfill that. But it never happened, and I had asked God if I could go to the Amazon. I don't really know why, but the Amazon really touched my heart and nothing happened and I kept reminding God about this and nothing happened and then 50 years later <laughs> um, I was, went to a conference with Chris in Eastbourne and they called this lady Gloria onto the stage to talk about the Amazon and my heart leapt and I thought oh Lord is this my chance I really think this is my chance and I said Lord if you want me to go I'll bump into that man with the yellow shirt Nothing happened. Chris and I prayed and nothing happened. And then the next day, I was in the library with Chris and I turned to speak to Chris and I just bumped into this man with a yellow shirt. <laughs> so I did a dance and I was just going around praising and everything. And he sort of went, well, what's the matter with this woman? And so I explained to him. And um, he said, oh, that's very interesting. We go to the Amazon. And then about three weeks later, I got a call, and he said, well, we're going two weeks' time. Are you coming? And so I went. <laughs> and that was how it came about that I asked about the children. And finally, what can we pray for? I mean, you've just come back, haven't you, about two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, from a two-week trip uh, sailing around the Amazon, and you go every couple of years. What, what things have you brought back that we could pray for? Well, every year we try to do a particular project. This year we are trying to give every child a mug because the children um, used to share one mug in the village and so, of course, they transmitted their diseases to each other. And so it's projects like that that we're doing mm -hmm. and it's um, just really praying. They, they, they're making a big difference as they go into the villages and spread the gospel the chiefs are accepting the word and the people are accepting mm. the word and the gospel is being spread and it's just fantastic. Mm. So yes, just pray that the work continues, mm. really. Mm. Thank you so much. We will do that in just a minute. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. No, no, no. If you want to grab her in coffee, to, she will tell you many more stories, which, believe me, are very fascinating, very, very heart-wrenching at points. But they're always stories of God at work through people like Jane.
who, she won't mind me saying this, is just like me and you. She's nothing special apart from in God's eyes and Chris's and maybe ours a little bit. But we are all like Jane in many ways and we can all have a part to play. And so why don't we just pray for a minute for that project uh, as Jane has brought it to us. Father God, it's great to hear of you at work in a far-flung place. (laughs) Some of us have never ever dreamed of going to the Amazon like Jane has, but you know that place intimately and you know the people intimately that are there. And you know the work that is going on there and we're excited to hear about it. Father God, we ask that you will provide for all the needs that they have. And we pray that your gospel will continue to shine like a light and that you will continue to be at work through those who are willing and able to serve. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're all called in different ways to go. Some of us, like Jane, can go uh, for two weeks. Some of us may be called for longer. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago when Alan Cutting preached about uh, God's heart for the world, then please, please uh, grab the CD or listen to it online. He's got a great testimony of of being involved in longer-term mission and uh, inspiring others to do so too. So grab that sermon. But some of us really are called to go and I challenge you to think about how you could maybe over the coming year go and see what God is doing around our world and maybe as Jane has, go and play your part uh, in God's work. But one thing we are all called to do is to act in various different ways. The verses we read from Isaiah, from Amos, talk about injustice, talk about hunger, talk about pain, talk about slaves. And that is something that actually we can see here in Ipswich, but we can definitely see all around our world. And as the Bible has highlighted to us, we all need to look at our own lives and we all need to discover what part we have to play and how we can act differently. Now, I've had great fun this week coming up with an A to Z of actions that we can do. It's on my blog. If you haven't got access to the web, grab me and I will give you a copy. But I've come up with an A to Z of various things you could easily do this week that you can help in our world. You can partner with God in doing things. So, for for example, it's coming up to Christmas. What kind of thing could you do to make your Christmas different this year? Well, you can pack a shoebox or you can get involved in our Find Appeal. Two things that are really easy to do. You could do something very different this year by asking, instead of lots of presents uh, for you, you could uh, grab one of these lovely SIM alternative gift Uh, magazines or Samaritan's Purse do them, Oxfam do them as well and you can order a different kind of present. Maybe you can send a goat to a family and that will provide milk and eventually some food. Maybe you could uh, do something different for your family members this year. My niece is getting a chicken. Not for her because my sister would kill me but for a family in Africa. Don't tell her, she doesn't know yet. There are many things you could do this Christmas, like get stuck in with our open door. We open the uh, church centre, the church halls up for those who have nowhere to go on Christmas Day. In a few weeks' time, we're going to be putting the lists up so you could sign up to peel some potatoes, set the room up or even help on the day to make Christmas Day different from people in our town. My favourite is number T, 
letter T even, which is called Toilets Twinning. I'd never heard of this. This is fantastic. If you go onto the Toilets Twinning website, you can twin your toilet with a toilet in another country. And basically, you pay £60, and uh, they build a toilet for a family who have no toilet. And you can twin your toilet. You get a plaque and everything. It's really cool. Uh, Anyway, maybe that was just my sense of humour. That would be a great Christmas present, honestly. Twin your toilet. Um, You can also uh, campaign in various ways. Some of us could never go to the Amazon, but many of us could campaign for areas of injustice. Open Doors, for example, are presently campaigning for religious freedom. There is a new UN uh, act being uh, discussed presently that may block some religious freedom rights uh, in various areas of our world. Why don't you find out about that? See me, again, if you haven't got uh, the internet or uh, a phone number for Open Doors. Or, in fact, Barry Smith, if he's here, he's really involved with that too. There are many actions that we can do. But I think one of the, the hardest actions in my A to Z for me was under I, integrity. And it also comes a little bit under C, which is choices. We all have a choice this week to act justly. Whether it's buying fair trade rather than something else. Whether it's uh, walking past that homeless person and saying sorry rather than going buying them a coffee. Whether it is doing something uh, in a prayerful way. You see, God calls all of us to act in different ways. But he calls all of us to make a difference and to live a life of integrity and justice. All of us, as I said, are called to pray, and I'm going to talk a lot more about that next week, so I'm not going to uh, uh, steal my sermon notes for there, but we all have a responsibility to pray for our world, and sometimes that's hard, so I'm hoping that next week's sermon will have lots of ideas in it for you, lots of different ideas to spur you to pray in different and new ways for our world. I've been praying for China for many years, and it's exciting when I read uh, statistics like 20,000 people becoming a Christian in China last year alone. That's exciting. We're going to talk about that more next week, so I'm not going to steal it. But you see, God's spirit is at work all the way around our world. To go back to the book that we've been looking at as we come to end, we've been looking at Acts, the story of God, God's gospel being uh, born and uh, being owned by uh, new people like Paul, and then spreading through the whole known world. But right at the beginning of Acts, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was just down the road from them, and in Judea and Samaria, which was a little bit further out, and then to the ends of the earth. All over the world, God is at work. And it's encouraging to hear stories like Jane, because that inspires us. It's encouraging to hear that God is at work in some of the darkest places of our world. That's what the Bible promised. That actually his gospel would go to the ends of the earth in deed and in word. I encourage you this week to pray and to live differently, to love differently, to purchase differently. Because God's spirit is at work and he calls each of us to get stuck in and involved in what he's doing to see his kingdom come here on earth.